I'm going to go straight to the Word today. Just walking around today, hearing the different stories, what you're going through, being aware of some of that before service. Many of you are very challenged at this time. Those of you streaming, some reason you're not here is because of the present struggle that you're going through. So what do we do with that? Are we prepared for the day? Are we prepared for the day? We uh, sometimes over-prepare and sometimes we under-prepare. This poor fellow here, he's all packed up, ready to go, but he's not moving. I understand that picture. Several years ago, three other men that I pastored in Arizona, we got together here and we did the Georgia leg of the um, uh, trail that goes for 2,300 miles. And we uh, had never done anything like this. It was the training mission. We were going to do the whole trail. And preparing, we, I wound up with a backpack of 65 pounds. I overprepared. I found out from those who were veterans that you want to keep it about 30 pounds. Because after just a short period of time, I felt like I had the weight of the world on me. That image also speaks to us spiritually. It speaks to us in everyday language. So are we prepared for the day? Well, obviously, if you've had any life at you at all, any experiences at all, you know that some things go just as planned for the day. Some days it starts off pretty good and something changes the trajectory of where you were going. So the real secret is how do we prepare for life? How do we handle it when we've done the best we can? And in the moment we're challenged and we start dealing with thinking I am underprepared, I, I have failed myself, I've failed others, or God, why have you let me down? Another thing that goes along with this is being seasoned. The wisdom that comes with life. The Bible tells us we are to be instant in the season and out of the season. In other words, always prepared. We are prepared for a season. The Bible also talks about we've done our preparation. We all know in leadership courses that how are we to be successful? And pretty much it's, a, it's an equation. It's when preparation meets opportunity. How many times have you had preparation but no opportunity? And how many times has opportunity come your way but you weren't prepared for it? All these things come into play, but if we're not careful, we'll wind up feeling like this guy. I can't move. So I want you to stand with me as we read God's Word together and get some of the core things that we've been singing about today and the things that will see you through no matter what comes your way. Romans chapter 5, I would like to read the first five verses. We start off with one of my favorite words. There's a therefore. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice, what? In our sufferings. 
Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you just lift your hands and give God thanks for his word? And now, Holy Spirit, we pray in this moment that you help us retain your word, receive it, as good medicine for our soul right now, for those that immediately need your touch in their life. And for others, it is that which we need to know, that we know so that we are prepared for no matter what comes our way. In Jesus' name. Before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, it's good to see you. Today has been one of those days that I've made the statement more than once to different ones that's just casually come by me. And I want you to just look around this sanctuary. Those of you who are streaming, look at somebody in the house. Or <laughs> Everybody you see has a story. Everybody has a story. Everybody's been through stuff, going through stuff, or going to go through stuff. How many of you have ever walked up to somebody and you start talking about something you've been through and they start relating to you and you start comparing stories and you start comparing your scars and your war wounds? That's natural for us. It's important. If you were in an AA meeting, you come together, you call your name out. I'm so-and-so. I can identify with the rest of you. It just kind of helps know that we're going through this together as human beings. In this word here, there is incredible stuff that God is reminding us of. And the first word that leaps from the page is God's peace. Do you know, over and over and over and over and over, no matter what survey, what test, when you ask people, even outside of Christianity, and you, you, you interview college students, what is it that you want in life more than anything else? They'll talk about different material things, but somewhere in there, and typically, it's the first thing, I just want peace. No matter what age we are, we realize the importance of peace. Because if you have all the material gain this world can throw you away, and you have no peace, what good is it? You can't enjoy the things that you have. You may be surrounded by people, but if you don't have peace in those situations, you're just troubled. Peace is this critical component for the journey. Being prepared for the journey. And God offers us that peace. You see, it's not a little thing. It's everything. The word, the biblical word for peace is shalom. The shalom of God, which is far more than just a temporary peace in a situation that gets me through the moment. It is a completeness. It's that which has a wholeness to it. As we look for relationships one with another, whether it's for a spouse or, or a, a good friend and we're growing in that relationship, somewhere along the way you're starting to do a survey. Should I marry this person? Does it need to go to that deeper realm? Is there enough to this person that I'm willing to journey in life with them? They may be good looking, they may have some skills, but if I don't have that wholeness feel, that completeness. 
So here again, we're talking about the peace of God. When the angels met those shepherds on that hillside because of the birth of Jesus Christ, what were they declaring? Glory to God in the highest, but on earth, what is it on earth? Peace. Promised that there would be peace. Now, we don't know a complete peace. There's war around this globe, and we all hear it every day now. It's speaking to us. But there's a peace that is offered, that God offers, the shalom of God. And then here is this other thing, and as full gospel, spirit-filled, Pentecostal worshipers, we talk about the access that God offers us. And at times we forget we have that access. When we pray, we're not just talking to the air. We have access to the throne room of God. Now that may sound high and mighty, but when we realize again in the moment what God truly is offering at any moment, We've all gone through life enough to know that sometimes when we need something done, we need to get to the main person, the person in charge, right? How many times have I had somebody come to me and say, I've already talked to all your lieutenants and your sergeants. I need to talk to you. You're the man. You're the pastor. And typically, they're not happy. Sometimes if you're wanting to strike a deal in business and you realize, I know I've got to go through this, but finally, I need to talk to the person. In this case... We have access to God. It doesn't get any bigger than that. In this peace, this shalom, you see, we can't even come to him without that peace. And in that peace, he offers, you're my child. Come in. Enter in. You're welcome. This is why when Jesus taught, and it was the first listeners hearing, our father, Abba, blew that congregation's mind. You're saying that this God we've been worshiping and studying about can be that personable? That I can go to God, of the creator of all things, and walk up and say, hey, Dad, good to see you. Wow, pretty incredible stuff. Sometimes we simplify it to grasp it for a moment without dumbing it down. The Bible actually says we can come boldly to the throne room of grace, right? To receive mercy, to obtain grace. So again, are we prepared? It comes with that peace. And then oddly enough, one of the main contributors, a producer, is suffering. So this afternoon, we're going to have a class on suffering. How many of you are ready to sign up? Oh, this isn't going to be 01. We're going to be in the 300 level of suffering. How many are ready? How many of you are ready to get hurt emotionally, physically, spiritually? I mean, come on, sign up. There's a fellowship of suffering that Paul talks about. How many is ready to go? We got a bus out here. We're going to load it. How many is ready to go? And yet, this is the very thing that produces who we become. The scripture says that through suffering, it produces endurance. What do you mean? It knocked me flat. But in that moment, it says, I don't want to stay here. 
And so for the first time, I realized I want to get up. I want to get back to life. I don't like being sick. I don't like being knocked down. I don't, and, and we have to get past those other emotions of, and when I get up, I'm going to knock somebody's block off. And getting through the anger phase, but realize, well, I'm talking about life. Why am I going to let this individual in a moment of circumstance affect the rest of my life? No, there's more at stake here. And we start getting into that deeper stuff. I want to endure. I want to get to a place where I grow up in God and grow up in life. And I want to, I'm not going to say I'm going to sign up for the battles today, but when battles come, I want to know that I'm going to survive and be on the other side of the day when the day is over. I want to grow up. I remember being a young man and those just getting into adolescence, dealing with those emotions and finally realizing, I want to think like a man, not a child. And you go through all the awkwardness of it, but somewhere along the way, you hear yourself saying to your parent, hey, mom, I, I'll do this. I'll man up. You think you're ready? Maybe mom wants to coddle you a little more. No, don't, don't pet on me. I want to be a man today. You may come home bloody by the end of the day. But you realize, you know what? It was worth it. Because I don't want to be a child my whole life. When it comes to the faith, do we really want to be so weak in the things that God offers through his peace, through his strength? Do we really want to be coddled by God our whole existence? I don't think so. When the Spirit of the Lord is moving and you realize there's need for somebody to do a righteous act, to do the right thing, and you can just hear the buzzing going on. Who's going to stand up? Who's going to stand in the gap and make a difference? Don't you want to feel that nudge from the Holy Spirit say, you can be that person, right? Even in the natural, when there's chaos, when there's struggle going on, and you're with your peers, your co-workers, people that know you well, and they've seen you for a while, doesn't it do something for you? When they realize and they call your name out, hey, you can, you can lead us. They've recognized something in you. See, that's where endurance builds into character. You've earned a position to speak, and now you're realizing it because others are recognizing it. It comes through suffering. And then there's that hope that he offers. How many remembers the story in the Bible of the fiery furnace? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. A time of real suffering for them. But the real secret is found in their birth names in Hebrew. To understand that it was Hanani. It was Mishael and Azariah. Listen to the word of the Lord. These three that we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We actually know them as Hanani. Mishael and Azariah, their names mean, Hanani means God is gracious. Mishael means there is no God like Jehovah. And Azariah means the Lord has helped. Wow. 
going into that fiery furnace, going into it, they already knew God is gracious. Going into the fire, going into the battle, the second one testifies, and this is what I know, there's nobody like our God. I don't know what's going to happen in there. I don't know what's going to happen after. I don't know if he's going to show up at this. I know there's nobody like our God. And the first one's again saying, that's because he's gracious. But then Azariah says, brothers, let me remind you something as we're going in. The Lord has already helped. Wow. What do you mean we're not through it yet? But he's already provided his peace, has provided the word. No matter what happens today, he's already provided. He's already made preparation for us. Oh, come on, somebody. But we're going to suffer. Or we are suffering. But it's these things that build and strengthen the great preacher of yesteryear. His name was Charles Hayden Spurgeon, the great British orator. What many don't know about Spurgeon was not only his brilliance, built the first megachurch on the planet in London, a building that would seat 5,000 in a day before electricity. <laughs> it would burn down about every other year because all the candles they had to use to light it up it burned the place down several times. Spurgeon, again, we know him for the wit. We know him for the wisdom. But where all of us can, and we'd say, I can't relate to a guy like that. But maybe you can relate to the fact, get ready for it, he battled tremendous depression. So much so that it would shut him down for weeks at a time. And there was times in his wife's writings, I don't know if he'll ever preach again. The critics would come along and just add to the woes. Such a great man of God. Why won't your God deliver you from this depression? He not only battled depression, but rheumatism. Gout and Bright's disease, a kidney disease. In his bedroom, he put on the wall from Isaiah, and it simply says, I have chosen thee. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. He reminded himself every day getting up, some days feeling pretty good. But the days that he didn't feel like he could even crawl out of the bed but for a moment, I've chosen you. And I've chosen you in the furnace of affliction. In other words, he started embracing this is the big picture. I don't, I'm believing for my deliverance. I want God to set me free. But no matter what happens, God is still God. And he's chose me. We've sung about it a little while ago. But a lot of times we think I know who I am in him. Do we? I'm going to get this thing very real today. How many of you feel that you just love yourself so much you don't think you've got one flaw in your life? Raise your hand. No takers? Well, you bunch of hypocrites. You're in church. 
I mean, let's get this where it belongs. How many times have you heard that? I'm not going to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. Yeah, and if you'll come, there'll just be one more. Well, you Christians, you brag about your God, and he sets you free. He heals you. He sustains you. But you're, you're sick in body. You battle chemical deficiencies. You struggle sometimes with temper. No raise of hands. Oh, yeah. But this is what I've learned. That through suffering, I learn to endure. And it's not willpower. It's his strength. It's his peace. It's his presence. It's God in me. When I'm weak, he shows up strong, and I depend upon his strength. And going through the suffering, it helps me overcome the pride that wants to overtake me and thinks I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I've, I've created all this. I've created my own wealth. Yeah, you get sick and just see how good you feel about yourself. Heal yourself. Or when tragedy comes to you in a crashing, blowing way. This very week, a story coming out of Ukraine, Pastor Sergei Kortov got his wife and children out of there, and he said, I'm staying, using the church building as a refuge. And he's going around constantly preaching the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow right now, he'll keep us. He's the good shepherd. It doesn't make it all go away. He sustains them in the suffering. The endurance that creates real character. Real strength. That goes beyond, I'll do it for myself. No, I've got a God who's greater than me. I'm going to do my part. I've prepared myself. I've put on the armor of God to prepare for the day, even the evil day. But this I know, there comes a limitation to what I can do. And that's when God shows up one more time and says, then I'll do the rest. That confidence that we have in him. Oswald Chambers, another great Scottish preacher of yesterday. I love this. Fiery furnaces are there by God's permission. He went on to say that mastery in circumstances is what's needed, not mastery over circumstances. The way I've preached it many times, we would rather get out of something than get through something. We don't want to deal with it. And yet, how many times have you gone through something what do you talk about? You talk about the journey. You talk about what you've learned. I know I shared this yesteryear when I still was playing a lot of sports and church softball was big and, and you start playing on a team and you get to know each other and you start competing a little better and finally you're kind of in the hunt and you get third place and whatever. But you're like, I, we just got a trophy for third place, but there was only 16 teams. We want one of those first place trophies. As if it's just the end of the world, right? But then you, you look back and realize that trophy, it might be three foot tall, four foot tall, six foot tall. Man, it's a big, I mean, you have to build a big old trophy case, right? How many remember those days? 
But that trophy was made of the cheapest wood on the planet and plastic covered with gold paint. And I played on some teams we got good enough to compete and win. And here we are taking our pictures and man, look at this trophy. The trophy starts collecting dust on your mantles or in a trophy case. You know what you talk about? You talk about the games, the battle that got you through the tournament and what happened at this play and that play and how this guy stood up. You talk about the journey. You could care less about that piece of six-foot plastic. And so it is. Endurance creates character. And character creates hope. Not mastery over circumstances, mastery in. We're still in the fiery furnace, but God is still gracious. We're still in the fiery furnace, but there's no God like our God. We're still in the fiery furnace, but you know what? God has already helped us. You get a hold of that hope, that biblical hope. Not a hope that, well, I, for those looking for a date, I hope I get a date with that guy. To the student in school, I hope I pass this test. I hope God shows up and reminds me what I was studying. No, it's that hope that goes beyond wishing and reckons upon what's already been done. Wow, you see the difference. I hope I get to do this. I hope I'm first. I hope I'm choked. No, no, no. Biblical hope is it's already been done. We've been justified and he's given us his peace now. My hope is in what he's already done. There's no God like my God. And God has already helped. Wow. He's prepared me. He's prepared a table before us, even in the presence of our enemies. You see, it's a hope that the world can't offer. In a word, here's what we are to do. Stand. Stand. Turn to somebody and just say that one word to them. Stand. Stand. Back in Ephesians chapter 6, putting on the whole armor of God, says it another way. After we've done all we can do, all we've known to do, to stand. We've prepared for the day to stand. We've gone through the checklist to stand. We know what it takes to stand. So what do we do now? Stand. The battle's not mine. The battle's the Lord. So I just stand. I'm in the fiery furnace. I just stand. I'm getting ready to go in the fiery furnace. I stand upon the promises of God. That hope is upon him. Even in a time of temptation, Paul would write 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's no temptation taking us, but such is already common among people. But God, somebody say, but God. But God. Makes all the difference, doesn't it? But God. You forgot something. God. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and they're trying to jump in? But, 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 but. But God, but God will make a way of escape. Man, this, 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 this needs to be broken down today. 
This is how personal it becomes. This is, this is, this is inside. I've, really, I've, I've known this verse forever. I've memorized this verse early, early on. And I've depended on it. Again, and it's just given position. God is faithful and just for, to help us through that, to make a way of escape. There's no temptation taken us, but such is common among men. God is faithful and just to deliver us. But then it dawned on me. There's more here. And this is the beauty of it. When I shared earlier that every one of us have a story, God knows that story. Well, I don't know if I can withstand the evil day like sister so-and-so. I don't know if I can do it like pastor so-and-so. I don't know if I can do it like elder so-and-so. I don't know if I can do it like mom. I don't know if I can do it like dad. This is where it becomes personal. In the time of trial or in the time of temptation, either one, God is faithful and won't allow you to be tempted above what you, there it is, are able. In other words, as we grow through suffering and learn to endure, and it starts creating character, we're not already ready-made. We're growing in grace. Can I hear an amen? And in that experience, we start building upon that. God is faithful. He set me free yesteryear. He'll set me free again. He delivered me yesterday. He'll deliver me again. If God did it once, he can do it again. If he did it for mom, he can do it for me. If he did it for pastor so-and-so, he can do it for me. And we just go on and on and on. We're building upon that. But then it becomes personal. But he won't allow you. to be overcome by the situation and will with make a way through the temptation, a way of escape. What that means is wherever you are in that growth cycle, that development, he knows where you are and he's not going to let evil have the victory. The victory is mine in him. And here I am, I, I, I've, I've, I've done all I know to do, and I'm standing. I don't know what else to do than just stand. Can you imagine being on the banks of that body of water with maybe three million people behind you? And the greatest powerful army on the planet just behind them. A little overwhelming. And the word given to Moses to share with the people, stand and see the glory of God. In those circumstances, and back now to the personal, he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. He knows where you are. He knows how you've grown. He knows how you've matured. This one is greater than any other time, and you don't have experience to lean on. You're, you're, you're not sharp in the moment. You're overwhelmed by life. You're diminished in health. He won't let you go under. He'll make a way in that moment to deliver you. Come on, somebody. Let me, let me go a little more with that. Because somewhere along the way, we give up on ourselves, And we think, well, God has done so much for me. I ought to be beyond this. But you know what? 
I'm not as strong as I've been at other times in my life. In the faith. How many of you, with a raising of a hand, give testimony? Sometimes I just really doubt that God can help me in this situation. In the moment, you're not saying that you hate God. You're not saying that you don't believe that God isn't all-powerful, but it's your, your posturing in the moment. I, I know what he's done for me in the past, but I'm older now. I don't know. I, 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 I just I feel overwhelmed. My body isn't where it once was. My mind isn't as sharp as it once was. I, I was in a different place in life at one time. I don't know. Is that speaking to anybody? In other words, it isn't that measuring that God takes us up incrementally. At times, it's three steps forward and two steps backwards. But if we get real honest, sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps backward. It's the same God. Stand with me.